Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by the fantastic James Marsden to talk all about the hit series Jury Duty. And in starting to talk about the first conversations that you had when you came on board with the show with the creators Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stipnitsky, um, you know, I know it was very important to you right from the offset that the humor was never going to be directed towards Ronald and that it was all kind of internal projections. And I was interested kind of because you kind of laid that groundwork with them very early on, as you started to look at certain scenes and scenarios in terms of what the script was, how that kind of informed the way that you wanted to begin setting up a lot of the comedy that you were self-projecting onto your character of James Marsden rather than projecting it out towards anyone else. Yeah, I mean, to to be uh, to, to give credit where credit is due, the the writers and Lee and Gene, uh, we were all on the same page about we're not trying to turn the screws of this guy or just embarrass him or prank him in any way. We want to surround him with a bunch of absurd personalities and circumstances. Um, so by nature, it really wasn't ever, there were scripts, there were no dialogue, there was no dialogue scripted, but there were scripts that outlined Kind of what we're doing, like what you know, Marsden tries to get out of jury duty by saying he's a distraction. Todd walks in with chair pants, you know. Marsden takes a dump in his bathroom. Like this is all stuff that's brilliantly scripted by the comedy writers, uh, and then we get to go in and, and improv on top of that. But so to answer your question, I mean, it was never really designed, and none of the comedy or humor was ever designed to take aim at Ronald. Um, it was it was just to be kind of in his orbit, I guess, sort of around, around him. Um, and that was, uh, you know, there were moments where it's like you start to breach that line where it gets a little close to, to, you know, affecting him in, uh, in a way that he might not want to be affected. Um, so yeah, I guess in a, in a long-winded way of answering your question. Yeah. Once I realized, cause I got excited about the, the improv comedy element of it. I've never really done that style of comedy before I always wanted to try it <clears throat> big fan of Christopher Guest and you know waiting for Guffman if I could name a movie I wish I was in it'd be that movie um so I got excited about that and I wasn't prepared for everything that uh that Ronald was going to bring right nobody knew what he was going to say or do and how he was going to react or what it was going to be uncomfortable for him or make him you know feel embarrassed so I I just had to keep that as my sort of um uh my my parameters were set with him uh, and then within those parameters i could be as goofy and silly and make an ass of myself as I, as much as i wanted to with all the funny stuff but the so i never none of the comedy that was scripted had to be reconstructed in any big way because i was saying i don't want to do a prank show it was always designed to be you know circumstantial around you know around him and it was always like let's see how he'll react to this let's see how re he'll react to this um, so that was good that we were all sort of uh, in rhythm there as far as like what the tone should be of the show. And and we believe that the comedy shouldn't have to suffer for it. You know, we can we can really go kind of absurd with some of the silly stuff. And and uh, and hopefully he doesn't just roll his eyes and walk out. You know, hopefully he's uh, um, hopefully he's a sport. But uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah it, all, it all really worked out. And I'm glad that I that. The show has a, a kind undertone to it towards the end when you realize when you pull the curtain back and it's revealed to him that there's a sort of warmth and like special celebration of spirit there 
And that that goes hand in hand with all of the kind of ridiculous comedy stuff we were doing. And I just thought it was going to be an either or and it ended up we those two could coexist. And be, because what you were saying in terms of nobody knew how Ronald was going to respond to any of these situations, especially when you first come in on day one, you have no idea who this person is, kind of what their perspective is going to be, how they're going to respond to anyone around them. Um, going back to what you were talking about with the scripts, having kind of loose outlines of scenes, but not being dialogue specific. I was interested in kind of how far in advance you were able to really prepare anything. Like, would you know, okay, today we're going to be mostly in the courtroom and then, you know, we're going going to be adjourned more tomorrow or we're going to go to Margaritaville two days from now or was it very much having to be day by day because it had to be so responsive to how Ronald was reacting to any everything around him yeah good question I mean no the answer is it it was like you said the the, the it was the former it was like it was very measured it was very strategically planned out Tomorrow, we're going to be in the deliberation room. Mostly we'll sneak into the courtroom for an hour. And today, you know, and and on that day, we're going to push these beats. Okay, Ken, this is where you introduce the game of jute to him. And you we reveal your gambling problem or whatever, you know, um, so all that was scripted. And so it was, it took, we relied on that architecture that the scripts provided to, to kind of give us a schedule outline of what we're going to be doing day to day. Now, Keeping in mind that if Ronald does something or there's something that st starts to like, um, uh, I don't know, something comes in and, and shifts the, the, the plan, you have to be flexible and there has to be some level of adaptability to be able to kind of pivot with all of that. And there were moments where we did do that. We were supposed to go and do the taco truck this day, but we had to postpone it a day because of this. And, you know, so... There was a there's a certain degree of flexibility that was woven into the, the planning of this whole thing. But that said, we couldn't just fly by the seat of our pants and make everything up and do whatever we wanted day to day and just follow him around with cameras. There had to be a real structure to it. And um, and then knowing that that structure was bendable, uh, you know, you could bend that to some degree um, based on how he's feeling or reacting. And there were days where we were meant to come in the next day and really push, um, you know, some ridiculous stuff. And, and he started to get suspicious. So afterwards, Jake Szymanski, the director said, okay, tomorrow we were supposed to do, you know, the fall and all this other stuff and the like origami things or whatever, but tomorrow it's going to be court. We are going to come in and there's going to be no comedy pushed and it's going to be five hours of jury duty. And so that he would go, he, he would, it would remove some of the suspicion in his mind. If it was like, okay, too many crazy things are happening. This is a reality show. Okay. Well, tomorrow, guess what? It's jury duty. <laughs> and so, so that would help him go, okay, well, maybe this isn't a reality show because wow, that was so boring the last five, six hours of nothing, you know? So we were constantly toying with that reality and, pulling back and then, okay, open the floodgates a little more if he got comfortable. But it was just a constant, um, you know, uh, you're just constantly flowing and having to, to adapt. And was there a consciousness about how much do we feel like we need to or want to film certain elements for the sake of the show outside of Ronald, because if we take the scene where you're jumping on the bed so a couple of characters can have sex without it being intentional sex, he's not actually in the room while that's happening. He thinks no. it's going on. He, you know, he knows it's going on to be true. Um, and so were there conversations or an early consciousness of 
it feels necessary to kind of like still do certain things for just like the momentum of character and the momentum of yes. time or how did that come about? Yeah, we, we, we never wanted to approach this like a traditional, you know, three camera sitcom or, or a film sitcom where you just like a shoot out of sequence and okay, that bit where Noah and Jeannie are soaking on the bed and James helps them out. We can shoot that later when we're done with Ronald. No, no, no. We actually did that in sequence. I left that room with him when we were doing the audition and went straight into that room and filmed with the camera guys and with her little spare camera, that's the soaking scene. Just, I think we didn't have to do it that way, but I feel like that was just part of the nature of our experience was to sort of keep it all in sequence if we could. Um, and that kind of kept our ducks in a row a little bit easier instead of like having to go and shoot like external stuff later to put, to tie it in just makes it start to feel, start to feel a little less um, authentic, I guess. I don't know. So we actually were, um, yeah, there were moments where uh, there had to be moments where we were pointing the camera, not at Ronald, right? There were, there were moments where shooting me and Noah chatting or Todd and Jeannie chatting and, you know, and, and those were scripted beats too, that they got to have fun and play with, but um, it sent the hounds off the trail a bit. Because if we had the camera pointed at Ronald the whole time, then he would just be overly suspicious. The one of the reasons that he talks about now that he didn't second guess that is because I was the one who was mostly next to him. So in his mind, he's thinking, okay, well, this documentary, jury duty documentary film crew is pointing the camera at me, but they're, they're really shooting James because he's a Hollywood actor. So he's like, that's how he justified it in his head that the camera was pointed at him a lot because I was sitting next to him. Um, but yes, it was it was it was it was important that we filmed uh, a bunch of extra little bits along the way, so that it wasn't just the cameras pointed at him the whole time. And you mentioned that that part of what you were excited about with this project was the opportunity to step into the world of improv. But it's such a fascinating exercise as a performer with the fact that you have a whole slew of scene partners, this this really great ensemble, and everybody is aware. And at the end of the day, after Ronald leaves court, you can have conversations, you can talk to the directors together, and you can kind of have that feedback. But you don't have that feedback throughout the day. You don't have the ability to stop between scenes and have conversations. And one of your main scene partners in the form of Ronald is someone who has no idea that they're essentially a scene partner and that you're responding to everything that they give you. And so what was that dynamic of going through the day and essentially playing out this slew of scenes and having one group of scene partners that you could really kind of have these little kind of silent communications and conversations with. And then one person who is a vital scene partner, but that it's really kind of all how you're interpreting, interpreting their feedback. Right. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great question. I mean, I, I, I had the opportunity to, they asked if I wanted an earwig in so I could hear the writers and Jake saying, Hey, maybe say this, maybe say that. And I didn't want it for a host of reasons. One, I thought he would see it because I'm right next to him most of the time. And he probably would have Two, I didn't want anything to inter interfere with my, <laughs> me doing what I wanted to do. Um, and I don't, I didn't mean that arrogantly. I just meant it like I, I, I to stay in that zone of like playing this character. I know this sounds like, like a methody Hollywood actor thing that the, the character that I sent up and made fun of in the show, but I really wanted to just be able to kind of stay in the pocket with some of this stuff. And I would go home every night and journal 
um, what happened that day. And I would write out pages of stuff, of lines, of ideas, of things that I could say tomorrow if he brings X up, if he brings this up, if he brings this up, if he does this, I can say this. And so that I have like my full quiver of arrows when I go in the next day to kind of attack it. And, you know, the worst thing about improv is, is not having, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta be able to pivot and like be nimble and flow, but you also have to have some preparation of like what you're actually going to be talking about that day. What, what your character would be thinking about, you know, this, if he brings this up. Um, so, uh so yeah so it was um you know you're you're kind of in there and with without a net and i kind of loved it i loved it um but i've never been i've never been more prepared uh because i didn't have a script because i didn't have a right you know here are your lines to memorize i had nothing that was great to not have to memorize anything um but it also was a little like oh boy i better be i better be funny i better be, better be on my game but there was some, there was some, I know I'm probably getting off tangent, off on a tangent from what you asked, but there was something really appealing to me about not having to think about the dialogue that's scripted in the scene, about, about not really knowing if this show is even going to work, who's going to see it. It felt kind of like, like low budget, kind of small contained um, uh, show. And that removed any sort of nerve I had about performance or about anything. I just got to do what I wanted to do and, and say the things that I thought were funny. Um, and, you know, look, we're in there for five, six hours a day. So there's mountains of footage out there that obviously didn't make the cut of seven 25-minute episodes. So I was able to kind of throw a lot at the wall and see what stuck. Uh, and then, you know, the good, the good stuff, they go in and kind of, you know, take that out and cut it together and put it in the show. Um, but I hope that answers your question. I know you were, t I, I think I got off on a topic a little bit there about, um, you know, not, not, not having a script and, and kind of just being in the room and having to stay in the zone. And, and in terms of preparation as well, the rest of the cast had a full couple of weeks to kind of be in a room together and, and do rehearsals. And you were only there for three days because you came off the back of shooting Party Down, which had, had run a little bit longer production wise. Um, and so when you came in for those three days, what were the most important things that you wanted to get out of it that you wanted to understand about how this entire dynamic was going to work and kind of how you were going to set up scenes with your character, James Marsden? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was... I, I again the first day of rehearsal i was so excited because i just was in a room full of really talented improv artists who who know the rules of long form improv i don't um i just am a mimic and i can i've loved like i said christopher guest movies and obviously kirby enthusiasm with larry and and uh and then larry sanders show with gary shandling which, i mean it's like i love this idea of having a structure and then get in the room and just playing um so I was excited about that. And then the second day of rehearsals came and I started to, the nerves started to creep in about the wild card, about who this guy is. Um, you know, how do we get him to do this if he doesn't want to do this? How do we get, you know, all the like, oh shit, I have to make sure to remember to bring my badge this day because if I, it's a prop and I have to remember sit in this chair because he needs to sit here. Don't get there too soon because otherwise you'll be separated from Ronald. And all the logistics of it started freaking me out. And then on top of it, it really started to set in that we're going to be keeping this guy in the dark for almost three weeks of his life. And I don't know any other show that's done that before. I mean, Sasha Baron Cohen messes with people for an afternoon and it's just him. It's not a, a full 
cast of people and crew. Um, so I started to panic about the sort of ethics of the whole thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, is this even a nice thing to do to somebody, even if your plan is to celebrate their spirit and their humanity and their goodness and, and kindness at the end of it, you know, he's, again, you just cross your fingers and hope that, that this is something that he <laughs> accepts at the end of the day. And you just don't know how he's going to respond. And so I started worrying about that. And that made me, I always knew that the comedy was going to be there. I always knew that if we just sort of, you know, kind of like, left it to the wind like it was there it was that the comedy was always going to be there the funny stuff was always going to be there what we had to make an effort to do or i thought we did is to make sure our north star was protecting this guy and never doing anything that's gonna that's gonna make him be the butt of the joke um let's just kind of be this you know circus of of uh of eccentric weirdos surrounding him um, but, you know, in the rehearsal period, there was a moment where I was like, I was really worried about if this is the right thing to do or not, because I did not want to do a prank show. So I was calling my agent going, one, I don't know if this is morally <laughs> right to do. And I probably was too concerned about that. But in hindsight, 2020, I'm so glad I did, because it's just it's part of the it's one of the reasons why the show works so well is because he's he's so taken care of and so celebrated as, as this good person. But I also thought I'm not as prepared as the rest of these actors. Like one, they've been rehearsing for over two weeks Two, they know how to do improv and all this stuff. And I was like, maybe someone else needs to do this. And, then, you know, because then on top of it, you're just thinking, oh, what if this goes bad? Like, what if this goes off the rails? And what if over time will I start to see him panicking and sweating and being uncomfortable and like, at two, two weeks into it, I'm like, I got to back out. So I really had, I really was on the fence when we, before we started shooting and I didn't want to be unfair to the production. I was like, well, I can't screw them and leave now. But there were moments where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Um, and, and I think the biggest thing that was keeping me in that, that sort of, you know, apprehensive space was, was what we're doing to him. That was the biggest thing for me. Like, I just didn't just, just really wanted to be careful about doing anything that would traumatize him or make him feel upset or humiliated. And because I put so much energy into, you know, having those conversations with Jake and Nick Hatton, their wonderful producer, um, that became the arc sort of, you know, our guideline. And the comedy was always going to be funny. Just always, always going to, it was always going to be there. Um, but we kind of had to like rebalance it a little bit so that we're really making sure we're taking care of him along the way. And obviously so much of, of why the show works as well is just Ronald's personality and the way that he so consistently sees the best in people. Um, yeah. You know, and I love what you were saying before about going home at the end of every night and kind of writing out all these different scenarios of, okay, if he responds in this way to the scene, perhaps I can play this, perhaps this could be a line that I could drop. And so as you got to know him and as you started to build, you know, this real friendship with him that we see on screen developing, how did that preparation at night kind of evolve and change a little bit? Or how did you start to kind of predict a little better how he might respond based on just seeing the way that he was interacting with you and all the rest of the jury? Yeah, I mean, it was a, uh, an evolution. It was, you know, day one, I didn't know anything about him. 
you know, day seven or eight, I knew a lot about him. I knew what made him laugh. I knew what movies of mine that he liked. I knew what, uh, what, what made him uncomfortable. So I was able to sort of tailor a lot of the stuff that I was bringing to the table around what I knew he was going to respond to or, or be put off by anything. He was going to, he was going to turn around and walk away. I mean, there's certain things I couldn't, they were just too funny in the script that I couldn't adjust and he was either going to just walk away and uh, there were you know the calling the paparazzi and um flipping out at the birthday party you know those were uh, the the birthday party thing was the hardest one for me because what i realized that ronald did not like was any of his friends any of his friends feeling embarrassed or upset because he's so empathic he sort of takes on that you know and he felt he felt bad for me that I was throwing a hissy fit about this party not being for my for me. <laughs> you know, it's like he wasn't angry at me. I mean, he was a little miffed. He was like, "That guy's not invited back. I don't care who he is." I'm like, "Great, good. Yeah, I shouldn't be invited back after that." Um, and he wasn't placating me because I'm a celebrity. You know, he was like, "Drew the line." It's like, "No, that's wrong. You don't do that." But he, and his core, his heart hurt because he knew that I was you know, upset that I didn't get this fake role. And he was uh, bummed for me that I was embarrassing myself. And that was what made that hard. Um, so yeah, as much as you prepare and and you have, oh, I, I want to say this or do this, you know, you, you sometimes you can't, you kind of just have to like, he's our bellwether, right? Like we kind of follow him through this whole thing and you have to just be nimble and go, okay, well, here's an opportunity and the level of focus, not to pat myself or all of us on the back too much, but like you're the reason why I went home exhausted every day. We all went home exhausted every day because you're in a cage with a live animal, like a wild animal. And it's kind of, and he's a very gentle wild animal, but that was the sensation was like, you're constantly on alert. You're constantly on alert for one, you know, upsetting the whole thing so that the whole, you know, Jenga thing falls but two, you're waiting for opportunities and windows to, to, to take your swing at a joke. And the timing isn't always right for it. And you have to wait and you have to wait till Ronald's in the right spot for it. And so it required like a, a level of awareness that you're, like you said, I mean, like I said, you yell action at the beginning, the beginning of the day, not, not really action, but, and it's one long take for four hours a day or five hours. And then he goes home and it's like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, did any of that work? And then Jake and the producers come out and it's like, okay, oh. <laughs> you get so immersed in like the reality that you're spending, you know, the, the, the adventure that you're on with Ronald that, um, uh, you know, you kind of lose objectivity and lose track of what, what you said or what you did or what was funny and what wasn't. And then they come out and go, Oh my God, the bit where you did this, the bit we did that really worked. And you're like, Oh, did it? I kind of remember doing it. Um, so it's just, it was just such a wild, wild experience. And you could only prepare so much. Uh, you had to um, be able to bend and be flexible to if Ronald wanted to, if we wanted Ronald to make a right turn and he wanted to take a left, you got to take a left with him.
And in terms of that flexibility as well, you also had to create a lot of different levels in terms of this, this narcissistic character version of James Marsden, who's always trying to draw everything back to himself. And, you know, how does this, how does this implicate me versus how does this implicate anyone around me? There's different levels of what that looks like as well, because sometimes it's just kind of like putting yourself front and center in the group a little bit more. Sometimes it's, you know, being at the side, reading a script and having a very overt reaction because nobody's paying attention to you. Um, and so how did you set about finding the different dynamics and the different stages of how am I going to constantly be centering everything back on me? Because if I'm just loud about it all the time, it's not going to work. It has to kind of feel very genuine in different spaces. And also at the end of the day, you still have to give back to Ronald because this friendship has to really genuinely grow and exist. And if you're just pulling everything onto yourself, that's never going to happen. You're right. You're spot on. And the word is balance. Um, and here's the dirty little secret. The dirty little secret is there were plenty of moments hours of us just hanging out and me being normal me and me being affable friendly you know charming not self-centered I mean I'm not charming but attempting to be charming um and real conversation getting to know each other shooting the shit and of course none of that's in the show because it's not that exciting but that gave us groundwork that just we put deposits into what we call the reality bank. You know, you have to, you have to, there have to be, there has to be a good amount of time where we're just actually, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel scripted. Nothing feels sensationalized. Nothing feels like a reality show where we're just here at jury duty. And we're like catching up on, Hey, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Oh, that's cool. You got brothers and sisters. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, Basically, this so not every conversation is James Marsden trying to get the conversation back to him. Um, and then I know that if I, I knew that if there was enough of that where I was just being a, guy, a nice guy and like a likable guy that Ronald would hang out with, that if there was enough of that, then I can do a little Jekyll and Hyde and switch and then, you know, and go for the jugular with a with a, a really, you know, self-centered uh, comedic moment where he gets to be the celebrity, you know, the Hollywood jackass James Marsden. And it might make Ronald go like, well, that's a different side of him that I didn't see because he was such a nice guy like 20 minutes ago. Um, so basically, to answer your question, when you watch the show, it looks like all I'm doing is hitting those beats. If if that was what I was doing 100% of the time, he he would walk away. He would not chat with me. In fact, the couple of those moments where I, I was doing something a little ho too Hollywood and severe, he would, he would, I would watch him go and hang out with the other jury duty, uh, the, the, um, the jurors. And I was like, oh, okay. He doesn't want to be associated with me when I'm being the greater than thou, you know, Hollywood celebrity. Um, so I need to, to make sure that I temper that with some balance and some real conversation, knowing that all those real conversations are going to be cut out of the final product, but they also laid groundwork for a real authentic friendship that we were able to cultivate and, and foster. And, and he's a good pal now. And, you know, I couldn't walk away from this experience, not having fallen in love with the guy, not being friends with him. Was, was that kind of 
a delayed catharsis in terms of playing this character and making this show because you you've spoken previously about how there were aspects that you pulled into the narcissistic version of James Marsden for the show which were things that you've witnessed and seen other people doing where they get a little bit self-grandulating um in working in production and, and being performers and so was there kind of a catharsis in being able to kind of have absorbed some of that over several years and then having an outlet to kind of express it and let it out oh yes Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, the greatest thing as an actor is like, oh, I've, I've got a good impression of somebody or I've got, uh, God, there was a character that I saw at the coffee shop this morning it was just like so rich. And the, and if you've spent enough time in this business and seen enough of that kind of behavior from somebody that um, that thinks that they are, you know, um, that they're they're exempt from what all other normal human beings have to endure, <laughs> because they're a, 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 an actor. So yes, it was, it was cathartic to be able to go in and, and, you know, I've created this sort of war chest full of, of memories in my mind of experiences. Not that I've been around, you know, a bunch of Hollywood self-centered pricks my whole career, but there have been little moments of someone doing something diva-ish and, and I just kind of file that away. So it's been fun to be able to, it was a great opportunity to kind of you know, dip into those memories. And, and, uh, but I always love this character because it's a kind of a bit that I do on set anyway, where I just, I pretend to be the actor who's Mr. Likeable and friendly. And then on a, you know, and then in a second switches to the, oh my God, you are the most affected. Um, you're just pretending to be the person like the, the Hollywood thing is to make, to be somebody who makes fun of that's so LA that is so Hollywood, but then in, in their behavior betrays that and they're the most Hollywood by doing whatever they're doing. Um, anyway, so yes, it was, it was fun to, to be given permission to, <laughs> to be as unsavory and, and self-absorbed as I was in this. And, um, you know, there's a, there's, there's a subtle and sometimes not so subtle wink to the audience of like, Hey, this is, this is me making fun of, you know, celebrity essentially. No. And because this was such like a an actualization of of this really long dream of of stepping into the improv world and getting to play in this space. And you know, you did so much preparation. I think that you kind of you it sounds like you spoke to people and kind of like asked them for their advice who have been more in the improv space as well before making the show. When you finally got into making the show, what was the experience of expectation versus reality of like the idea that you'd always had in your head of what it would be like to be playing in improv and, and doing all that sort of scene work versus the actual reality of going through the process of making a show like this? Yeah, great question. I mean, it was it was all that I expected and more because I was given a long leash to be able to have fun. And like I said, I was in a room in a windowless box. It was action and cut five hours later. And it was like, I couldn't be controlled. I got to go and do what I wanted to do and and say the things that I thought were funny as this character. So a great amount of latitude and, and creative um, license to kind of just go in and have a great time. So in that regard, it was great. I, I, you know, and at the end of the day, the writers and the, and the, the director was loving what I was doing. So they just kind of, you know, gave me an even longer, uh, an even longer leash. Um, the hardest part was that I wasn't prepared for that became, as we moved on was still a challenge was, um, 
how do we get this guy to the finish line? You know, cause you're kind of juggling two different things. You're going, all right, I'm doing a, I'm doing my kind of version of the office here. I'm basically playing my version of, of um, Steve Carell. Right. Um, and this feels like a fun Lee Eisenberg, Gene Stamnitsky written comedy, but then, and that's great. But then there's this whole other part of the, the show that needs to work. And it's like, how do we get him to the end and how do we get him to get all of these jurors to agree to, to, we didn't even know how he's going to vote, to be honest. Um, and is this going to be okay when we lift the curtain and tell him it's all fake? And that was the thing that was really kind of chewing away at me. It was like, as the, and it never interfered with like me playing Jackass James doing the Hollywood thing. And, um, but, uh, but I got close to it occasionally with my, with my sort of comedic narrative. Um, you know, you, you, are uh, my antics would somehow, I would think would upset him and it, I don't know, but that was the other thing was, um, that I wasn't really prepared for As we went along, I get, I got more and more worried about, you know, is this, is it, is this doing any damage to him? Is this creating some sort of paranoia in him? Will it when we, when we reveal everything? The thing that calmed my nerves about it all was seeing what a good spirit he was and what a good, you know, I mean, he just kind of, the, the, the characters that were created to turn him off or to like weird him out, like he put his arm around them and he took Todd on a shopping spree and showed him the bug's life. And like, he really was just one of the more pure hearted kind, you know, positive, um, not a cynical bone in its body personalities. So that gave me hope that by the end of it, but it also made me go, well, yes, we're accelerating this guy's humanity and his spirit at the end of this, but this is a really unconventional way of doing it. <laughs> it's like, you know, um, so that was, that was my only, that was my, the only part of me that was kind of concerned throughout it. But the, but the, the, the expectation to be able to get into the room and play with the other actors and, and, and uh, to the point where we could kind of read each other's minds about where we're going with a certain bit that wasn't necessarily scripted. There was a lot that wasn't scripted that we started to like riff on and, and they're so smart to just get in the room with them and play. It was just so gratifying, but um, yeah, I'm just glad the whole thing worked as well as it did. Uh, it was touch and go moment to moment, but yeah, it worked. I mean, it's it's such a fascinating and incredibly unique experience and project to do as a performer. So it's been so so wonderful to get to hear all these details. Thank you so much, James. I really appreciate. Oh it. yeah, of course. I appreciate the great questions. I, I I love chatting about it. It's so easy to chat about this show.